we're back with another main show, talking telly and film. How are you, Mark? Um, do you know what I've had to do today? Which is quite embarrassing. I mean, we could list a number of things, but I don't know the one that you're actually talking about. I've had to change a holiday at work because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse's Madness has been brought forward one day in the UK. <laughs> oh, Mark. So you had originally booked the day off to go and see it. Yep, the 6th of May. And now they've moved it. To the so 5th of May. You have to move your holiday. Yes. Right. Good. This is what our world has become. This reflects badly on me, doesn't um, it? And I don't know. I don't think it does. All joking aside, I think, you know, it's a film that, like, the trailer, I, I wasn't bothered about it at all, but the trailer really captured my imagination, especially when you were, like, pausing bits of it. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone at home, but pausing bits of it and going, look at that. And I was like, yes. what is that? And then, oh, it's that. So, yeah, there's, um, there's a lot more build-up, I think, around... Doctor Strange. I'm not going to finish the. I was going to attempt it. I'm not going to. I mean, it's the not new really Doctor a big Strange, stab. But, oh, it's a long title, and I'll get it wrong. So Doctor Strange. I mean, you can't get my job title right. So it's um, true. Well, yeah. This is what I mean. Go you on, know. give it a go. No, I don't think I will. Doctor Strange and the multitude of multiverse. <laughs> no. Madness. The multiverse of madness. Yes. It's multiverse of madness, isn't it? But yes, see what I mean? The it multitude took... of multiverse, I should have called it that. I think that's much better. Anyway, telly and film. Telly and film. We have got a short amount of telly and a large amount of film. We have, we So have. for anyone um, who's listening to us for the first time, this is not necessarily representative of the way that a main show where we talk about the telly and film we've been watching recently goes. We talk, <laughs> We normally have a little bit more balance. Uh, but there's been a lot of telly sort of floating about, hasn't there? We didn't really want to go back too far yeah. to things that have really gone and are now off the iPlayer or off Sky anymore. So we're going to talk about some things that we've watched recently. And there's only two things. One thing that you have told me about that I have no idea and then something that we watched together. And then we'll go into film and we're going to cover quite a few films in that section. But yes, we we'll, we'll come on to that later on. Let's start with telly. Right then, Mark, <laughs> when we were talking about what we were going to speak about on the podcast tonight, you said that you have a show that you just wanted to do a short amount of time on. Yeah. And then you said the name of it. And I was like, why have I not heard of this? I don't, like, you know, sometimes there are things that you've been watching that I go, oh, yeah, another podcast talked about it or I've seen it on the telly, you know, being advertised. Yeah. And I will wipe it from my mind. But there'll be something there in the background. And I go, oh, yeah, I know something about that. You have mentioned a TV show that I just... It's, it's like you've made it up. It's called Cat Burglar. Yes. Right? And where, where, where is this telly show? Where, so where can does I, it can, come from? Can I, can I start properly? You may. Can you remember what we were doing in December 2018? December 2018. Were we... No, we weren't in... No, what? Yes. Yes, I can. We were in Las Vegas. We were on honeymoon. We were on honeymoon. <laughs> it took me a while, doesn't it? It's dates. I'm not very good with dates. But yes, we were. it was Christmas and we were on honeymoon. Can you remember what we did when we got back? What was the first thing we watched? First thing we watched when we got back? God, Mark, I have no idea. So while we were away, I think while almost while we were on the plane home, Bandersnatch was released. 
which is the Netflix Black Mirror specialist show yeah. because it was an interactive program where you could choose what the character did yes. next, essentially. Like yeah. one of those... It was part of Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Um, can I add some conjecture to this review? I think... Everyone got very excited by this, mm-hmm. and Netflix commissioned a whole load of other interactive specials, and somewhere between that time, they have completely lost faith in the concept. We reviewed... The wrestling one? Yeah, the New Day invade the Undertaker's oh, that was castle. so bad. It was so bad. See mm. previous review, we have reviewed yeah. that on a previous episode. This cat burglar dropped a couple of weeks ago maybe actually it's quite a while ago it was while i was off with blake when when he was ill i was just like browsing twitter and charlie brooker said hey i've got a new show on netflix new interactive show cat burglar the fact that you've heard nothing about this is yeah, really interesting feel my blank face everyone at home because honestly i've not heard about this at all and i'm on twitter as well like i'm mm. i'm watching the social medias so this isn't i mean this isn't for you this is a thanks for that <laughs> okay i'll explain it shall <laughs> Go i on, then. this is a animated interactive cartoon which is essentially just a big tribute to the cartoons of Tex Avery you can't whisper on a podcast, oh, I. But who is it? He is like one of the probably on the Mount Rushmore of animation. He is he helped create Bugs Bunny, Elma Fudd. His style is very iconic. So if you think of like a wolf that's mm-hmm. seen a woman and its jaws drop to the floor, yeah, probably resting on it, a table. And then it might whistle it, with uh, long... And its, long, and its yeah, tongue and has it's rolled out yeah, and yeah. eyes have gone... Its Popped eyes have turned... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably hearts in there. Okay, yeah. That I is Tex Avery style. Right, okay. And this is just a big tribute to Tex Avery. It is a really simple story. It is a cat that is trying to break into a museum to steal a piece of artwork. Um, and it, it takes the form of a quiz in that you control the cat when he is trying to get over the fence into the museum, trying to disable the security system while there's a dog that's a security guard sat there, uh, trying to get inside the museum, trying to find the exhibit, and then trying to beat the security system to get to the piece of artwork. And all this is is just questions come up, and they're quite funny, but they're also there's quite a tight time limit, so if you have to think about it for too long, you will run out of time. Okay. Like, there's maybe 10 seconds to answer three questions. So a lot of it's instinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it's really simple. So, like, what is which of these is a part of a computer? A thumb drive or a fingernail drive or something like that. And so it's quite often obvious, but they get a bit harder. And So I've played this and I got to the end and you get, like, a, at the end, the piece of artwork that you get is a Mona Lisa that's a cat. Blah, 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 blah. And I thought, oh, that's, that's quite fun. And during the end, they go, play it again. You'll get a totally different cartoon. So I press play again. And there is a completely different way for the cat to get into the museum, for the cat to turn off the security system, for the cat to get inside the museum building itself, etc., etc. And I was like, and then I got to the end, and it's a completely different picture that he's getting. And then I realised, like, at the end, you're filling up a gallery. I played this in one afternoon nine times. <laughs> like, 
the things start to repeat themselves, but the questions don't. Like, I got a different question every single time. And sometimes I got wrong because I just pressed the wrong button at some point and tough on a remote control. This is a hell of a lot of fun, and they have a lot of fun with it. So, like, you get a different ending every time, and they start to have fun with it. It gets quite meta, like, um, so they'll repeat something and animate, like, the headline on the newspaper is animators get really lazy and using repeated endings and stuff like that. This is a lot of fun. This is a system that clearly Netflix have no plan on investing any more promotional work into. But, yeah, if, you, if you've got any interest in sort of old Tom and Jerry-style cartoons, like... I just sat there with a big smile on my face while whilst Blake was playing. I'm just watching this all afternoon, yeah. It maybe takes ten minutes to play. I played it nine times while I was doing it, so it was probably an hour and a half. This is great fun. It's on Netflix. Like literally you have to type in like C A T space B and then it comes up. So wow. even on the first day it released. But yeah, it's Charlie Brooker's humour, which I like anyway. It's really well animated. It's a lot of fun. It, at the worst, the questions are quite funny as well. So, yeah, it's this is a lot of fun and no one is talking about it. No. At all. So, I think we yeah. may be the only podcast that oh, covers TV I almost certain. that will be covering this. But I'd yeah, love to find another one. Try Cat Burglar. <laughs> try Cat Burglar. It, it's not the worst thing you will do. So, from Cats to John Cena. To what, what Eagles. A, what a great sort of link there yes <laughs> yeah um don't know how to move to peacemaker from cat burglar but there we go we've we've done it so peacemaker is a john cena of wrestling fame vehicle that comes directly from james gunn's the suicide squad that was out in cinemas was it last year yes yes this TV show was out earlier this year and it's oh, taken yeah. us months to get it. Like, it's taken three months to get that. it, which is really annoying. Yeah, like, loads of people have been talking about it and we've been like, oh, we'd quite like to watch that. Oh, we can't. But it's finally here. It's I wonder, on Sky... It's on Sky Max, Sky Max, which is the new name for Sky mm. One. I wonder if they were waiting for The Suicide Squad to debut on Sky Movies. Right. I don't know if it's only just... It's on now, I noticed, mm. but it must have only just debuted and then that's what they're waiting for. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go through over the plot? Yeah, go on. Yeah, so Peacemaker is kind of a... I guess it's a parody on sort of Captain America, isn't he? Massively earnest superhero. Um, but th- well, he thinks he's a superhero. Yes, but, but he... Yeah, he's... It's questionable choices. There is know. a quote from the Suicide <laughs> Squad, and I'm paraphrasing <laughs> here, but yeah... I all I'm interested in peace, and I'm willing to kill as many men, women, and child, children as I can to get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is John Cena. I will say at his very, very best. I love John Cena. Like unironically, I as anyone who's listened to the show will know, I have a penchant for wrestling. And John Cena is obviously ultra charismatic. I don't think it's any surprise to anyone who saw him like come up through the ranks on wrestling that he has made himself a Hollywood star. And it's a very specific Hollywood star because he's very much following the path of The Rock. Yeah, but I think he has much more of a subversive sense of humour than The Rock. I think The Rock is very much a family man. He's doing family thing. We like it, that recent one with Emily Blunt, where it's essentially the African Queen. Jungle Cruise. Th- that's it. Yes. You know, he's he's an all rounder. I would say The Rock, and you know what you're getting with him. John Cena, there's something. There's a darkness there, and there's also um, like The Rock for me is really asexual. Like he, like I say, family friendly. Whereas John Cena is consistently in his pants 
and doing some really quite significant sex scenes and things that I've seen him in. Like he was in that um that comedy with Amy Schumer. Train wreck. Train wreck. And obviously that was the first time I thought, wow, John Cena is picking a role here that does not really accord with the people who have gone from wrestling to being Hollywood superstars. Because he was he was doing something that I think really played with the ideas of masculinity. Yeah. And uh, a humour that wasn't wasn't taking the mick out of anyone else. It was taking the mick out of him. Does that make make sense? Like he's always been quite <coughs> self referential. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. I, I mean. Obviously. So this this is a role that he played in the Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And I think the plan always was that this would be a spin-off TV show from it. It's come very, very quick after the Suicide Squad. I mean, that was only out, see previous podcasts. But mm. what was that out? Was that like September, October? Yeah, I can't remember, but it wasn't that fo- that long ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, 30th of July, the Suicide Squad came out. So oh, it's, it's wow. about six no, okay, months. Right. But it was clearly in the works. And mm-hmm. part of me... Like thinks that's cynical. Mm-hmm. Like, oh well, like the Batman. They've gone yeah. in with a plan to spin off to HBO Max. And obviously, mm-hmm. they're both DC properties, I guess. So we've we've talked a lot about what it is, what he is, what it is, where it's come from. Yeah, we watched the first episode very recently, just last night. What did you think of it? I liked it. I didn't love it. Interesting. I yeah. think it is fine. I think any time John Cena is on the screen is a highlight. Yeah. It obviously needs more than that. And I think that's where it struggles. I mean, there's really good people in this. Um, Danielle Brooks uh, plays a character who is a rookie in the agency that Mm -hmm. is bringing him on. Danielle Brooks, who played Tasty in Orange is the New Black. Um, So much charisma. Really, really fun. Jennifer Holland plays uh, one of the agents and I really liked her in the Suicide Squad and she gets a little bit to do in this but any time this doesn't involve they're interacting with Peacemaker mm-hmm. I'm just not interested yeah. and I just it's it's a I'm going to quote Poochie Poochie again any time they're on the screen I'm kind of wanting them to go hey where's, where's Peacemaker and him to come on screen <laughs> One day I'm going to make you watch the Poochie episode. Uh, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> I, li- I really like the interaction between uh, Peacemaker and his sidekick, which I won't go into any more than that um, for people <laughs> who haven't watched it yet. But I thought that was really, really well done. Mm. It was Again, it was subversive. It was different. When he says he's got a sidekick, you've got an idea of what a sidekick is. This turns out to be something completely different. I really like the explanation. And I mean, it, it's hitting you over the head with it. But the explanation in terms of his family dynamics as to where... The, you know he comes from and his thought processes and the way that he's trying to prove himself to certain members of his family i really really liked that but yeah i'm the same as you I'm, i laughed more than i thought i would i found myself laughing whilst thinking mm, i'm not sure if i'm a bit bored i do wonder whether this has had so much hype 
I've listened for so long to other podcasts saying how brilliant it is. I've read the reviews that, you know, we say, oh, you're peacemakers. But... So I don't know whether it really suffers from that idea that I was expecting more than what I saw. I yeah. also think it's just episode one. Yeah. So I really want to withhold judgment completely until we've seen maybe a couple more episodes and seen where the plot is. I think There's that's clearly fair. going to be plot. They are setting up something occur. I think it, it may be... An, a serialization in that peacemaker is going to be asked to do things uh you know th- yes. in terms of spying on people and 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 fighting people so you know we're, we're going to get that i think week in week out there's good maybe there'll be a new bad every week that he has to so and i think so, this might be yeah. what this is missing because mm. there isn't really a bad in this there is no. a fight scene which takes place yeah which i really enjoyed but it's almost an afterthought yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did really enjoy that, and that's where I thought, oh, okay, if we get a bit more of that, then, yeah. But I I, I think I know what you're talking about. It's the people who are, in inverted commas, the goodies, or the 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 backstage crew yeah. to Peacemaker, the people who are managing him. I found them all very one-note. Yeah. Apart from Danielle Brooks. And her character, which had a little bit more to it, we we discover. Yes. But, yeah, I just... They were interchangeable. Oh, he's the tech guy. Oh, he's the manager. Oh, yeah. I was like, well, they're not really very interesting. No. They could do with bringing some more people in that, that have a little more interest to them. But, hey, I, I'm willing to give it a couple more episodes. And usually oh. with this sort of stuff... I will drop it pretty quickly if I don't like it. I think I'm 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 happy to take this through to the end mm. because I think there's not a lot on that I'm really interested in at the minute as as, yeah. as yeah, evidenced yeah. by the fact that we've done a oh, TV totally. show that no one else is mentioning and we're yeah. kind of sat around at night going what we're we gonna watch what we're we gonna watch yeah you know in between finishing off Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. like this is this is all I'm really watching at the minute and I'm I'm happy to just give it the benefit of the doubt yeah. agreed mm. good. We'll, Good. we'll watch another episode next week and see what happens. Shall we talk about films? Yes, let's. We have a lot to get through. <laughs> We're back. And um, it's been over a week <laughs> since we started the TV section. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. But... Well, I think we're better because I think I sound different. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, tonally, there might have been a shift from the TV section that I haven't listened back to coming into the film section. So, yeah, um, it, it's been a little while because many things have been happening in our life and... Every night we've sat down and gone, should we record the the film section? Should we record the film section? And it just hasn't happened for various reasons. Yeah, Will Smith came home and slapped <laughs> us. And uh, <laughs> that's why we've not been talking about that in the first section. <laughs> oh, and I've just spent the past five minutes saying to Mark, I can't really remember anything about these films. So this is going to be an interesting one for anyone who's, uh, who's looking for an in-depth discussion of the latest things at the cinema. And or Netflix slash Amazon Prime slash whatever else we watched. Okay. Can I talk about the first two things that I've seen by myself? I think that's probably a good idea so I can warm up. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I went and saw the last couple of weeks The Duke and Phantom of the Open. Otherwise known as, in our house, 
old people's films. Yes. It sits it, I am not the target market of these films, but no one released anything in the aftermath of the Batman. And, I mean, what would I do? Not go to the cinema on a weekend? Nah. Um, so, yeah, these are both true stories. These are both things I wouldn't have seen normally. They're very British, I think, to yes. have these films. And it's something the British film industry does really well, is target the grey pound. True. And I think it's quite easy to like mock these films. but what, Like I mean, I'm doing. Well, no, but I mean, like the British British cinema does it very well. Yeah. And I, you are I, right. I think that should be lauded rather and than And also, criticized. if you think about the people who are... I know, I know you'll go into this, so don't look at me funnily for jumping ahead. But if you look at who is in these films, you've got like British greats, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Dame... Helen yes. Mirren, Sir Mark Rylance. Is he a sir? Is he a sir? Now I'm second guessing myself. I think we've had this debate before. Have we? Think... Anyway, I'll get, say, so, I mean, yeah. it's not Sir Jim Broadbent, is it? But, you know, maybe Yet. maybe soon. Maybe yeah. soon. Anyway, carry on. So, we're going to go into The Duke first. And this is the last film from Roger Michel, who did uh, Notting Hill. Do you remember The Butter of Suburbia? I remember the name. Yeah. Like that, the name rings a bell, but I don't remember the film at all. It was a TV show in the mid-90s. It was kind of one of the first big British, like, Channel 4 dramas. Oh, right, so that, it wasn't even a film. No, no. I mean, it also did change in lanes, I found out when I was looking oh, into it. Okay. Have you ever seen that? No. Ben Affleck no, and ben Samuel Affleck. Jackson? Yeah. It's really, really, it's good. It's worth worth watching. Um, this is the story of Kempton Bunton, who is a 60-year-old taxi driver... A, a bit of what we would now call a social justice warrior. Yay! And he, shall we say, comes into the custody of Goya's <laughs> painting of the Duke of Wellington. That's very well put. Um, this is set in Newcastle. Yay! Um, I've got to ask, do you know the story? Nope. Oh. Never, ever, ever heard of it. Because obviously this this was quite famous at the time. Apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all... Um, I've got some very, very specific to me likes and dislikes about this film. This is set in Newcastle, where we live, mm-hmm. and therefore you get the... It, but it was filmed in Bradford. Oh. Yeah. That's that. So you get the... Every time they're filming on location, you get that, well, they're not there. Oh. And they're not there. Yeah. And th- so, yeah, that that is a barrier for me that, specifically. That would be for me as well, yeah. yeah. And at every point on location in Newcastle, if you look in the background, you can see the Tyne Bridge. Oh, Like, okay. Newcastle is a big... Like Newcastle and Gateshead are a big bowl where yes. everything just points down towards the Tyne Bridge. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying. Um, you get great performances, as you mentioned, Jim Broadband's... Jim Broadband. Jim Broadband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very high tech. Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. Um, and I mean, they've been praised for the performances. Like sometimes when you live around these things, you can pick up problems with her accents at points. I did pick up. Mm. Sorry, Dame Helen. When I watched the trailer, which yeah. before it was played many, many times, where I've been in the pictures recently, I did, Dame Helen was trying really hard, like pet man yes. it, it felt quite forced whereas Jim Broadbent I don't know whether men naturally have it's slightly softer so yeah. Do it, yeah I know you're not gonna do it but he just seemed to have a lilt whereas mm. she hers was much harder and therefore it seemed very obvious to me it wasn't her natural accent um, yeah that's mm. I think that's probably fair um, it works either way though because there's some really like some local jokes that you yeah really? so like 
someone mentions, oh yeah, oh, we're from Benwell, and Helen Mirren dives in, Benwell Village. Like, <laughs> things that, I mean, and I'm yeah. sure you could adapt that to any area in mm-hmm. any town, but yeah, it was nice to see. Mm-hmm. This film was fine. <laughs> it plodded along two acts, and I was like, looking at, you know, like, oh, it's entertaining, but looking at me watch. And then the third act happened. And this film took a took a turn which I did not see coming at all. Um, like this is a true story, so but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it, obviously. But there is an event where I'm like, Christ, did that just right? Did they did they really pull it off? And they absolutely did. There's some great supporting characters in this. Anna Maxwell Martin plays Helen Mirren's boss, one of the councillor's wives, and she plays it so well and really likeable for her because sometimes you can re- she can play a bad guy really well, as we've seen in Line of Duty. Uh, but she plays a confident woman, like not like a motherland character. Mm-hmm. She, she plays the wife of a councillor, basically, okay. as you can okay. imagine. Um, Fionn Whitehead plays one of the sons who is um, from Bandersnatch. So getting its second mention yeah. in this podcast, just a, <laughs> a just week a, apart. A, major, yeah. a period of time apart. Um, Richard McCabe plays the Home Secretary. Um, Matthew Good turns up for a really small role. Oh, yeah, Sean Clifford turns up for like two scenes. Like, complete waste of her in, mm. in certain many ways. But this is perfectly fine. I think part of the problem is... The character of Kempton Bunton toes the line between being likeable and being annoying. And, you know, like, it's all very well him taking the coil out of his TV so that he doesn't have to pay the TV license. (laughs) And that's quite funny. But then when, you know, when you see him, like, getting fired from work and, like, struggling to hold down a job whilst... Helen Mirren is scrubbing away on her hands and knees in Anna Maxwell Martin's house. You do think, yeah. I've kind of got more sympathy for her than I have yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, conversely, the exact opposite of that is The Phantom of the Open. This is, again, the true story of Morris Flitcroft, played by Mark Rylance, who is a crane worker from Barrow, who decides one day that he's going to have a go at qualifying for The, the Open. I'm being very careful what I say, calling it the Open, because all the way through this film, they call it the British Open, which is not the name of the tournament. No, even I know that. I can only assume it is done for American marketing purposes. Yeah. I've been trying to think of another example of how this, you know, but it's, people may call it the British Open, but that is a mistake. You have the US Open and you have the Open. Yes. And this annoyed me all the way through. However, it didn't take away my enjoyment of the film that much. Um, this is this is an, an, another story about a British eccentric who sets his mind to do something and then goes about and does it. And again, another story I hadn't heard of. Had you? Yes, I'd. I was aware of this. I mean, he was a big imposter. He, you know, he he was he set about just trying to qualify for the Open. And in theory, the idea of the Open is that. Anyone can qualify. Hence the yes, Open. Yes, the Open. So if you... You need to be nominated by a golf club. Um, but if you are a top quality player... At, were you thinking like... <laughs> like a little 
gold club, club like is going to come along and nominate. Hello, I nominate. Mark. Like I'm a sick, <laughs> I'm a, a forward, and yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, yeah, it needs to be nominated by yeah, so nominated by a club, and so, but an amateur can essentially win the open, um, and. Justin Rose in 1998, I think it was, came second in the Open as an amateur, just qualifying through being like being the best player at his local club and going through qualifying rounds. Um, so say Mark Rylands and Morris Flitcroft has never really played golf in his life, so he, he doesn't get past the qualifying round. But this is a great story of people circling their wagons around someone and... I love a story like that. Um, yeah, there's so many examples in cinema history of an outsider trying to break into something. Um, I mean, King of Kong is a film that I will 100% show you at one time. It's okay. a documentary of something that you would not find interesting. But That's... yeah, it's the story of someone trying to break the world record of Donkey Kong. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's a brilliant documentary. Um, this isn't this film. Um, the difference between this and uh, The Duke is... Mark Rylands plays this so likeable. Um, you are on his side all the way through. Sally Hawkins plays his wife and is so adorable in like encouraging him. Um, there is a subplot of uh, his adopted son, who is an executive at the at, at the steelworks in Barrow where he he works. Not being able to encourage him, and there is a, there's a lot of emotion around sort of fatherly responsibility and the time when you when you're no longer responsible for children and so you go on to do the things you want to do this again goes places which i'd never never saw and halfway through i was thinking oh well this is all right and then by the end i was in bawling tears <laughs> yeah oh. i mean there wasn't many people in the cinema yeah um, those that were probably couldn't hear me because <laughs> yeah, i was the youngest by somewhere <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's got a lovely supporting cast again. Mark Lewis Jones plays a love, like a really interesting friend of his that has this sort of hidden backstory that's kind of referred to. Uh, Reese Fans plays one of the. Um, he's like one of the people from the open, isn't he? Is he someone yes. who's trying to? I kind of feel like he's there to scupper him. And, yes, yeah, that's, that's it. That's yeah, from the yeah. trailer, he's the authority I, yeah, figure. Yeah, he's gonna but, get him at every moment. But it's so nice to see Reese fans playing like a straight role. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean it's obviously a comedy. Yeah, but yeah, he's 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 the straight man in this. Where he's yeah, um, I I really enjoyed these both these films. Um, and yeah, like I think. It's really given me appreciation for British cinema creating these films that really has an audience. They are probably pretty low budget, but they will bring in money through people who just enjoy going to the cinema. Remember La Weekend that came out a few years ago? I think that is a... Oh, not really, hun. It was a... Yeah, again, it's a Roger Michelle film. It was Lindsay Duncan and Jim Broadbent, and it came out... 2013. Okay. Mm. I remember going to the Townside Cinema with you, and as we were going in, that was what was coming out of the screen. And two old ladies coming out and saying, oh, I love this film, to the um, to the usher that was sort of taking all the litter. You wouldn't get it, but we loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like, could have just patted him on the head while, oh. he, while he did it. Um, there is a real market for this, and I think Britain does this better than most places in the world now. Mm. Shall we talk about something we watched together? 
Together, together, or together apart? Let's go together, together. Together, together. Okay, so we're going to talk about fresh. Yes. So we have to be incredibly careful when we talk about fresh because we do not want to spoil anything. So this review is going to sound maybe a little bit strange because we're we're going to do our level best to give you our opinions on the film without giving anything away. Does that sound okay with you? I mean, I'll give it a go. (laughs) So... Did you did you find out about Fresh first, or did I mention it? I can't remember because it's on a streaming service. It, we didn't see this at the cinema. It's on Disney Plus. Um, I'd heard that it was coming because I remember this film. I think it's safe to say stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. I think we're all right with that. Yes, they are the two leads, and I remember thinking she's a lot younger than him. <laughs> yes, yeah. And we actually, partway through the film, we did actually look up their ages, didn't we? And make some sort of social commentary on that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the fancy, fancy Hollywood creating a film where the female <laughs> yeah. is significantly younger than the male. Yeah, absolutely. But I knew nothing about this until a couple of podcasts came out. Obviously, anyone who's listened to us will know that we are um, people who listen to a hell of a lot of podcasts and most mm. of them are about film and TV. Yeah. So we listened to the podcast and uh, there were some interviews and there were a couple of people mentioning it and I heard that this was not the film you thought it was going to be and that really intrigued me. Yeah, that's. I think that's a big selling point for us, mm. isn't it? A film mm. that can start one way and then go somewhere else. Yeah. And the recommendation that was on every podcast I listened to was know as little as possible about this before you go into it. And we follow that, absolutely. Yeah. And we, we make the same recommendation. So, before we go ahead, mm. just the, touching, dan- like, yeah. lightly dancing on the plot, mm. would you recommend this to people? It, it, I think it's context dependent, isn't it? So, and I say this about many films, this isn't just about Fresh. The Duke and the golf film that I can't remember the name of, that's it. I hate that title. Those films are universal films, aren't they? You could recommend those to a wide range of people. I've not seen them, but I know that, you know, your mum and dad, for example, would probably enjoy them as much as some of our friends who are in their late 30s, early 40s. If they sit down on a Friday night and they go, I'd like to watch a film. Yes. I think films that are... um, that have a little bit more to them and it's so difficult isn't it it's so difficult to do a review but films that are perhaps more adult that's difficult to it's it's this is not a universal film is what i'm saying this is not a stick it on a friday night and not really worry about what's going to be going on this is a film that absolutely is a film for adults it has a number of adult themes in it and that I think makes it difficult for me to 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 say to you, you know, really openly. Oh yeah, I'd recommend it. I think this is an amazing film. I really do. But halfway through, I didn't think I could keep going with it, or I felt that there were. Th- that it might not have been the film for me. I I worried about it and I, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts and and I'm saying halfway through because halfway through we stopped the film because we were doing it over two nights and I didn't know if I would go back and revisit it the next night because I just had some questions and comments about it. So that's, you know, when you're asking me, would I recommend it? That's my incredibly 
obscure <laughs> answer to that question? I'd recommend it. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Four stars. Yeah, yeah. I give it four stars. Yeah. I give it four stars too. I, d- I don't think it's perfect. I say it's mm. amazing. I think it's visually stunning. I think the performances are brilliant. I think the, the, the way that it starts as one thing and perhaps then turns and then perhaps turns again, those things kept me um, engaged throughout. I think Daisy Edgar Jones is amazing in this film and playing very much against type and i thought it she really did did things with the with the character and with what was happening sebastian stan again i thought he was really had a really interesting performance so all of those things in the round i think it's a great film okay okay um, i think I, I was surprised you came back mm. because we have seen films of this ilk before mm where you just nope out on it. Yeah. And I carry on, and then it's up to me to review them at the end. And yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you did, because I think... I, I'm glad that... Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to this film. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it has more to say than I gave it credit for at the yes, beginning. absolutely. And the more that I then read about it afterwards, and the more that I, I particularly read the views of, of other women... I felt that oh this might be a on repeat viewing this might be it made me feel the way that I felt when I came away from and this is this is not a spoiler in mentioning this film at all I, I promise the way that when I came away from um, Promising Young Woman and it made me think for sort of like a week afterwards and it made me review what I felt about what people did and their responses. And then I read, so I, I read a lot of um, women's views of, of that film. And that's really what, it really reminded me of my experience having watched that film. If that Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that they are linked thematically. Um, and yeah, that that was a film which came to mind whilst I was watching mm-hmm. this film. Um I, I don't really want to go too far. No, I into I don't want to. And I think before we came on pod, we we had a bit of a chat before. I mean, this was probably about a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> given the length of time it's taken us to do this, but we sort of said at the time, didn't we, that actually we would less was more. Yeah. With it, and we would probably just stop at some point. And I think that mm. that stopping point might be now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing I would say is that I knew you were going to come back. No, no. I think Sebastian Stan is having a lovely time in this film. Yes, he is. He's having a good Um, time. This is a film where he's really just allowed to turn it Mm -hmm. up at certain points up to one hundred and twenty, and dial it back down again. Yeah, and dial it back down again. Mm -hmm. Um, I totally agree on Daisy Edgar Jones. I think she's. I really, really think so many people come through one-off TV series and are never seen again. Or oh, they're stuck in that role, aren't oh, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it really took... I mean, it's not a TV series, but it took Dev Patel a lot of time to mm. get past, say, Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. And now he's obviously one of probably Britain's finest actors. It's amazing. But there was a long time where he was um, the baddie in Avatar The Last Airbender mm-hmm. and the hotel clerk Mm -hmm. in the best exotic marigold hotel Mm -hmm. which i think is a fine film speaking of films of the grey pound but it's not exactly challenging him Mm -hmm. 
she's come straight out and into a really interesting role. Um, I'm really interested to see what she does next. Yeah. Mm. What are we finishing with? We're finishing on Death on the Nile. We are finishing on Death on the Nile. And you went to see that a long time ago. <laughs> I went to see this when it was out in the cinema. <laughs> We, you wanted to go see it. I you planned to, to see, it. see it. You planned to see it the same day. <laughs> I know. And we tried to do our Passover of Child. Yeah. But Child was playing up, and yes. you were like, "I'm not going. I'm not yeah, in the mood yeah, to it." Yeah, I was. Then and then plague hit the family. The plague, the plague came and got us. And then you went to see this. Yes, and I eventually went to see it very, very late <laughs> with hardly anyone else in the cinema but it was on one of those last last showings yeah um and now it's on fucking disney plus i know it's on disney plus after waiting all this time but i was do you remember um you know when we first started the pod and we um were talking about sort of films that we really wanted to see because it was during the pandemic and they were being pushed back and pushed back and obviously i'm not going to rehearse this at length but obviously this film was pushed back because of the pandemic and also because of you know army hammer so we've got all of that going on and for ages every sort of especially the after work drinks podcast that we do which is where we talk about you know film news tv news things that you know having a, having a chat yeah. um chat sort of podcast we i kept saying oh when's death and nana and every time it got pushed back i was very sad and that's because the uh, 1970 odd death on the nile featuring the beloved <laughs> in my world simon mccorkendale um <sighs> Yeah, no, mentioned mentioned all the time in our house. That is a safe film for me. So I don't know if anyone at home has these sort of films that when you put them on the TV, and I've got it saved on the Skybox, so I can just put it on whenever I like. When you put them on the television, all is right with the world. You know the credits, you know the people who are going to be in it, you know the, the dialogue. And for me... Sometimes those older films really do it. So obviously, um, children's films are, are, are major things for me. So like your Mary Poppins, your Bedknobs and Broomsticks, your um, oh, what's it called? Uh, your Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That yeah. sort of thing again is assimilated. It's, it's got a. It's very. Um, it's something primal within within me of like yeah. this is this is a film I must watch when it comes on. So was Death on the Nile something you watched the child? I can't remember, but it must have been. You see, I, mm. I used to watch a lot of murder mysteries i mean you'll be yeah. shocked to hear this and in particular i used to watch um a lot of them with my my grandmother yeah. so i think and um, my, gra- my grandma used to let me watch all sorts of films at all sorts of times yeah. so it was not unknown for me to be sitting up at one o'clock in the morning watching really really adult 18 mm. psychological thrillers which is probably where i get a lot of this from yeah the so, films the films that i watched as a child which are really warming to me are oddly the police academy films mm-hmm. massively inappropriate mm-hmm. i i could go back and watch them now and go oh so that's what yeah. she was doing <laughs> under that lectern while someone was giving a speech yeah. um but yeah that's uh yeah um, and also the airplane film uh the first airplane film mm-hmm. which I've shown you. Yes, you have. You dislike. I didn't dislike it. I just didn't get any of the humour, hun. I just, I just didn't find it funny at all. And <laughs> everyone else apparently finds it hilarious. These sketches and yeah. just they just do nothing for me. But you know, you you know what I mean by a safe film. So when this comes on, it's all nineteen seventies sepia. It's got Peter Ustinov, you know, playing Poirot. I know who's going to die. I know who done it. 
and I like watching it and it, it's just so it's same with um Evil Under the Sun which is another um adaptation of the of the Christie book which has um the the late great Dame Diana Rigg in it and what book book <laughs> yeah. yes he's in this <laughs> yeah Mark loves the way I say it apparently you meant to say it like Book, book or something but to me a book is a book right yes but there's a character called book there, i know that <laughs> you're gonna make me think about it all the time there, but there's a there's another one as well which is um the mirror cracked that's a marple and that's got angela lansbury in it playing um miss marple and it's also got liz taylor in it so there are things like that that i just love those films even though the plots are preposterous and it's quite easy to work out who did things and there's ma- massive plot holes so the 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 first branner adaptation of poirot which was the one on the train that i'm really not that keen on murder on the Orient Express. yeah yeah that's why i'm finding it hard to think of it because i don't like the plot of that i it doesn't do anything for me I watched it. It was fine. It was the um, the definition of a three star film for me. Yeah. Um, it looked very lovely. It had Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Um, everything was okay, right? Yeah. So I went into this with some trepidation. A because of the the nineteen seventies version, which is beloved in my mind, and also because I wasn't particularly keen on the Branagh version of you know Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. However, <laughs> I quite like this. I quite liked it. Okay. Yeah. I still think it's the definition of a three-star film. It will not, it will never, ever take over the 70s <laughs> for me, for the cast, for the, 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 the way it's designed, for the, the plot, because they make plot changes in this version of Death on the Nile, yeah. for the ridiculous beginning part, which I'm not going to go into, but there's some sort of prologue, and it's all about Poirot, and it's about giving him emotional resonance. I don't care. I, I really don't care about Poirot's backstory I and mean, all of that sort of I stuff. I care because it's absolutely preposterous that... So, can we... Is it safe to say it's the origin story of a moustache? Yeah, I think you can. I think everyone else has said that. Yeah. Um, on every review. So, uh, yeah. But, but, and it makes no sense. Because it wouldn't grow. No, it wouldn't grow. Yes. And also at the... Uh, I can't say anything else. Yeah. But yeah. It, uh, yes. Yes. It just... it None of it makes sense, right? It, but it's it's beautifully shot. The cinematography is yeah. gorgeous. Gal Gadot is a vision in all scenes because that is who she is as a woman. I did not think the acting was particularly brilliant when you compare it to the likes of, as I'm going to say, I'm going to nod my head. Right, in, stop in, talking in, about that. In now. deference, Simon McCorkendale. Yeah. But also, you've got Mia Farrow in the original as well. You've got the great Angela Lansbury mentioned right. second time so, on this podcast yeah. as, a, as an erotic um, writer. Does uh, she only play writers? Uh, yes, yes, she, she does. Uh, but she, she um, they, they swap her out for Sophie Okonedo in yeah. this, because she's Salome Otterbourne. Salome Otterbourne in this film is a blues singer. Salome Otterbourne in the, uh, the, 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 the original and the best is Angela Lansbury playing an, an erotic writer, which is a little bit weird. So, you know, you've got all of that going on for it. So a lot of baggage that I brought to this. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was better than I expected. What did you think, my my beloved, without all your baggage? 
There's an awful lot of Nile before you get to the death. <laughs> like, I'm looking at my watch and we're halfway through. We see you don't and know the still story. no one's dead. That's so weird, isn't it? You went into it yeah. not knowing the story. I'm fine mm-hmm. because I think I enjoy spending time with these people. I think Gal Gadot is an amazing presence. I don't think she's a strong actress. Mm-hmm. And I think when she is... I, I, I don't think she carries off the emotional mm-hmm. moments in this. Mm-hmm. But bloody hell do I enjoy looking at her. Mm-hmm. Um, wearing dresses and being just and generally being, the it, most beautiful woman in the it's world. It's very glamorous, this, and she has a, to others. And she has a charisma. Mm. I don't think she is a... I don't think... I, I don't mean to criticise mm. her. I don't think she can carry off the emotional moments mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. And there is... A fair few that yeah. she has to do. But she definitely... I can see why she gets cast in these films. And it's mm-hmm. not just her looks. Mm-hmm. Because she has a presence yeah, on screen presence that... There. yeah. But Lynette Ridgway is meant to be this spoiled American brat, essentially, that everyone hates. You right, know? when you say it's meant to be... Yeah. Is that just based from, on your knowledge book, of no, the previous? The, no, but also from the book, from the okay. from the original source as mm. well. You know, there there is meant to be a reason why she says to Poirot, "Oh, uh, you know, everyone hates you." She says that right at the beginning of the film. She says, "Oh, people don't like me," and when you're introduced to her, you know, so she's too likable <laughs> in my view. We are big fans of Emma Mackey. We are, and I loved her in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to know what someone who didn't know who Emma Mackey was would mm. think of this, but I think she brings off. The she quite often just has to look brooding in the in the corner of a and room. Hurt and she's yes, got, she's got a really good look. I'm a strong woman, but also but also inside, I'm cracking. It's all in yeah. the eyes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, I I really hope this launches something mm-hmm. something different. I mean this 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 franchise is cursed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean God, look at I mean look at with the cast. They cast Johnny Depp just yeah. before the badness came out. Mm-hmm. And then, so the turn to Army Hammer. What are you going to call Arnie Hammer's experience? I mean... The great badness? He, Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, he has issues, doesn't he, let's say. I mean, and anyone who... I think it's... We shouldn't make light of them, because they no, are... He, th- right. There are... Oh. 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 Hailstones here. Hail, hailstones are here. Good. <laughs> there, there, there we go. We, we've mentioned his name, and look what happens. Yeah, we'll just plough one through. <laughs> yeah, um... There are clearly some women that have been put in a really awful position by Army Hammer. Mm. And some of the accusations that have been made against him are, on the surface, rather comical. Mm-hmm. But mm. there is some real threat behind yeah, them. Absolutely. So, totally yeah, great. let's not make light of yeah. them. Um, but yeah, it is really difficult for yeah. for the film, isn't it? Like, it was, it was going to be cursed in the third one if well, we do Evil Under the Sun. <laughs> Well, I and I really like personally the plot of Evil Under the Sun. I really like, and I really like the <laughs> sounds really mad, but I really like the way that like <laughs> I can't say this without it sounding off. But the death bit, yes. like I really like the way that manifests itself, and also how it how it comes out, what the outcome is. And I like the murder plot um, into Evil Under the Sun. Absolutely, like likable, but really straight performance from Russell Brand. Yeah. I know. I was waiting for him to become Russell Brand. Yeah, and, and he didn't. He wasn't. And that was good, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really yeah. Nice. It yeah. should. It gives me a bit more faith in mm. Russell Brand as a performer mm. that he's not just playing I Russell thought he Brand. He had some really good emotional moments, yeah. actually. Yeah. He he's got something to do. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I question why they put together Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. Yeah, I agree. Because the second you see them, I you, agree. yeah, you mm-hmm. expect you that, yeah. Well, I think we do, but it may be the international audiences don't. So that would be interesting as well for someone who didn't know who French and Saunders were. That, you know. But then, I mean. But then what's the yeah, point? Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no value, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose Leslie, I'd, I'd like I, to see her yeah, again. I, yeah, she didn't get much to do, I didn't feel, but, mm. You know yeah. nothing, Hercule Poirot. <laughs> just to take a oh, I bet, I bet she, I bet she's really, really not sick of that. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I think it's fine. Um, yeah, it is fine. It's it, it, it is, is fine. It is another one of those sort of films that you know you were talking about recommendation before, yeah. and I gave you a really ridiculous answer. It's one of those where if someone do you recommend this? Yes, stick yeah. it on on a Friday night. Yeah. get your popcorn out and your glass of wine and enjoy a bit of Hercule. I think. Kind of like when we talked about Scream, mm-hmm. I think it's a why done it rather than who done it, mm-hmm. because you are invited to suspect everyone in mm. this. Yeah, and with all of these yeah. things, so it's a case of what, um, why has someone done it rather than who? I think it's quite unfortunate that they started with Death on uh, with Murder on the Orient mm-hmm. Express, because that has, and I'm going to use a wrestling term here, that has kind of a gimmick finish. In the and then you have to go back to what is ostensibly just a plain old murder plot. Mm-hmm. Um, th- anyone who's seen them will understand. I don't need to explain. Yeah. I hope I wouldn't have to explain that. But yeah, th- you started off doing the doing the big one. Yeah, d- doing the mm-hmm. yeah the one where it really is. If mm-hmm. you kind of done that like sixth or seventh in the series, mm-hmm. then it kind of works out a bit better yeah. for me. Yeah, but. Yeah, it was fine. Um, I've probably not thought about it much since I've left. No, um, apart yeah. from when you go, oh, I've never gone to see it. <laughs> but yeah, it is absolutely. It is the definition of fine. Well, it's on Disney Plus now, so if you've got Disney Plus, um, you can watch this fine film. I believe they're going to put that quote yeah, on the. It uh, is the bar. fine. Yeah. Definition of a three star film. Mm. We're getting back into films coming out now, though. Yes, we are. So what, what's coming... Oh, Morbius. You, Morbius. You've said that about three times to me today. You're going to go am, see Morbius. I'm going to watch Morbius this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's going to be shit, in it? Oh, I mean, it is. It really is. But you enjoy that. I mean, it might be so shit, it's brilliant. You know, it's one of those ones where you really enjoy it. It reminds me a lot of sort of mid-ranking films of the 90s, the trailer. And this obviously, this is before, like, CGI got good. That's what it reminds me of from the things I've seen in the trailer. So it might be great in in the style of Venom, yeah, which I didn't particularly like, but I thought no people like that nineties sensibility about it. But Jared Leto. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a shame. And what, what was I going to go and see? I was going to go see something. You're going to go see Ambulance. Oh, I'm going to go see Ambulance. Ambulance. Yeah, you need to hit the L. Yeah, I've got, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going to go and see that at some point. And then we've got Harry Potter and the. And the, Fantastic Beasts of Dumbledore, uh, yeah. or whatever it's called. <laughs> Harry Potter and the franchise that won't go away. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to go and see that, aren't we? I don't think either of us are particularly looking forward to it, but we, it's sort of completism, isn't it? Really. I'm looking forward to it in as much as I like. I I I think that's the franchise that needs taken down a peg or two. Yeah, 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 and it, it just needs to stop now. Yeah. And I really like Jude Law as Dumbledore. I really do, and I, I think like Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, um, just I don't see the point of these films. No, no, neither do I. I don't see the point of them at all. No, but we'll go and see it. But we will go and see it to because it because we've seen the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. 
it's, it's horrible being pot committed in a franchise, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Shall we? Um, now, now that the hailstones have stopped, shall, yes. we, shall we? Shall we stop ourselves? Yeah. Just think anyone who's listening to this at a future date. Yes. Well, because obviously, if you're not listening to it now get out of our house if you are um yeah we are now recording this at the point where it was a bit sunny and now it's snowing so um just to give just the, in, the entire spectrum of yeah. weather events for you um we'll be back at some point with something if, mm. at the very worst it'll be morpheus and morbius morpheus, morpheus! i mean that would, i would prefer that morbius and ambulance yes at some point yeah um but yeah you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the honeymoon pod and if you'd like to leave us a review, you can do so on iTunes or Spotify or anyone else where they accept reviews. Does iTunes exist anymore? Apple Podcasts. <laughs> See you later, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.